We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Come and see live on a Saturday morning. My name is Steven, and I am the host. And joining me, as always, is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. I'm excited for this discussion. I, I don't know where we'll start, where we'll go, but there's a lot more to talk about. I don't think it's as black and white as no offensive tackle at five or in the first round at all. There, there's so much to this. So I'm excited to see how we discuss this and unpack it all. Yeah, so uh, very fittingly, Tyler wearing the OL Mastermind shirt today. Um, I lost mine. I don't know where it is. I got to get me something new. I still have like the sh- the short sleeve hoodie, so I'll bring that back uh, down the road here. But I'm uh, very excited to uh, talk about the offensive tackle pathways for the Chargers. Um, we debated kind of doing like an offensive line in general conversation, um, but with the coaching staff, we kind of felt it was best to kind of separate the two um, we're not doing offensive tackle into your offensive line rankings this year in terms of like the draft stuff that we've done in the past. So we wanted to kind of cover our bases here and and kind of dive into how the Chargers can address the offensive tackle position and the ways that we kind of picture, you know, Harbaugh's vision and, and Joe Ortiz's vision kind of come into fruition here. So I'm excited about this as well. Obviously, I love offensive line play. I don't know how many offensive tackle prospects you've graded, Tyler. Um, but I think I'm at eight right now. I just did Amarius Mims yesterday. Mm. Um, so this is a this is a stacked. Oh, there's a there's a thumbnail. Okay, did you see? Did anybody else see that? There was like a like like a thumbs up thing that came across my screen. Did you not see that? I literally for two seconds moved away to look at my <laughs> rankings tab. Okay. So... Somebody quick and like the video. I want to see if that happens again. Uh, there was like a, a like a thumbs up like icon that came across. Yeah. Okay. Jorge saw it. Okay. I'm not crazy. All right. Um. Anyways, this is an, a snacked offensive offensive tackle class. I I have 
basically given, you know, top 25, top 30 grades to every offensive tackle prospect I've watched so far. And through eight, like that's that's pretty rare. You know, I've got mm-hmm. seven first round grades of offensive tackles in this class. So it's a stacked group. And I'm going to be very curious to see kind of what the strategy is for the Chargers to address the position or maybe not address the position. We'll talk about all the different scenarios today. Yeah, so I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then I think I moved Faltanu to interior. So I think I have eight or something. But yeah, a good amount. And it it is a very, very good group. I think Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, they have anywhere between like six or seven of these guys in the top 20, 25. So it's it's a really, really good class. For all the talk about wide receiver class and how top heavy that is, I'd say this is probably the best since maybe the Penesul kind of mm. draft, although Penesul is on a whole different tier. But if you, if it, I guess it depends how you felt, but like Derisaw, Slater, Cosme, Radunes, um, Leatherwood sort of, but I, I was never a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like the volume of, of high-end talent, it, it's definitely, you know, up there in terms of the best. I haven't gotten to Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma yet. Hear great things Neither. there. Uh, waiting on Oklahoma offensive line tape. So uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, to start this conversation, I felt like it, it was important for us to discuss the current Chargers room. Obviously, Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins first and foremost there. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about Slater and Pipkins. So I just kind of wanted to zoom out. We were obviously a few months away from the season and really see what what we're expecting from these two as a potential starting duo um and, and things like that obviously Trey Pipkin's contract status is is what it is but um you know I tweeted this out the other day you know Dan Dan Jeremiah did this um like championship foundation thing and then like he l- listed the players who were like blue chip good uh too young or or or, or unproven or, or injury or age concerns and like I I did one for the Chargers I listed Rashawn Slater as a blue chip offensive tackle and I got some pushback from some Chargers fans that Rashawn Slater was a a, a, a blue chip player still. So I just kind of wanted to zoom out and have that discussion first. Every single offseason that Rashawn Slater has been on the team, there's been this thing about like, let's move Rashawn to the right side. Let's move Rashawn to guard. <laughs> like, it, it just is like worth discussing to me because I think it, it, it's it's something to point out. So um, in case anybody missed it, Rashawn Slater dealt with four different injuries this year, uh, coming off of the torn tricep or, or bicep. I can't remember which one it was. Bicep. In, bicep in 2022. Uh, so he dealt with two high ankle sprains. He dealt with a shoulder injury and an ankle injury or a knee injury, excuse me, on top of that. Um, despite the injuries, Rashawn Slater still finished um, tied for 15th among 34 qualified offensive tackles in pass blocking efficiency rating. Um, the amount of total pressures is, is higher up there because the Chargers passed the ball freaking ton. Um, but despite the injuries, he was still tied for 15th. Uh, PFF actually had him as their fourth highest graded pass blocker among qualified offensive tackles. And despite the injuries, he, he led the offensive line unit by playing 762 pass blocking snaps. So he was a machine all season long. There was certainly a stretch of the season there, particularly against like the Jets and the Cowboys and the first Raiders or the second Raiders game. No, no, no. Sorry. The first Raiders game where you could kind of feel the injuries playing a factor there, but he finished the season incredibly strong. And to me, like if his floor 
his like 15th in pass blocking efficiency rating, he's pretty damn good. Like if the ceiling is all pro, like top five tackle and the ceiling is like top 15 tackle when he's doing with four injuries, you know, Rashawn Slater is a blue chip player. Like I think that, you know, Panay Sewell is probably pass him by in terms of like overall offensive tackle play. You can talk about Tristan Wirfs too. Um, obviously Trent Williams and, and Lane Johnson are kind of the standards, but you're still talking about an elite left tackle. You're still talking about a guy who is when healthy, going to consistently challenge for all pro nominations every single year. Um, he is extension eligible as well this off season. So I wanted to talk about Slater because every time I bring up the offensive line, it's like, we should move into right tackle. We should move to guard. He's not that good anymore. I'm like, let, let, let's really squash these because Rashawn Slater is 100% a top five left tackle in the league, in my opinion. And he is one of the most outstanding players in the league. Yeah, he had a high ankle sprain in both of his legs. And it's like, Rashawn Slater sucks. Like, you're yeah. lucky he's out there because the alternative would have been worse statistically. So the fact that he even fought to get out there is incredible. Uh, I honestly didn't think we'd spend, not quote unquote, this much time. But, you know, you figure if we're talking about offensive tackle, it would be about Trey Pipkins. But you're right. If you brought up that discussion, if people are really saying that he should move to right tackle or he should be a guard or whatever, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if we've just like, like we are Chargers fans, right? Like we've all watched offensive line play <laughs> not be good. Uh, I think that if we have someone who's a great left tackle when healthy, you should leave him there. Now, look, is it frustrating is it a bummer he hasn't been healthy? Would you like him to be healthy and be who he's supposed to be? Would you like him to play more games? Is he kind of an injury-prone label now? Maybe, sure. But to say he's not a blue-chip player, I think is is early. Now, if he misses another, let's say, an entire season, knock on wood, hope he doesn't, but if he has another bicep injury that takes him off of the season, I, I think I would move him out of blue-chip because at some point, it has to matter. But I think that, when he's been on the field, he's been so good. Even when hurt, he's still been good. I think he's still a blue chip player. I think that's it surely shouldn't be much of a discussion. And frankly, leave him where he is. I'd rather go with Rashawn Slater at left tackle and move somebody else to right than move Rashawn to right and hope the left tackle that you got as a rookie sticks. And as I'm sure we'll talk about, it's not like every tackle that's come out of college recently has been doing that well. It's actually been very disappointing. Yeah, it's uh I mean, even Panay Sewell, who I just talked about, maybe the best offensive lineman in the league, his rookie yeah. season was a struggle. Like he was, I like, uh, I, I forget the exact specifics, but he was near the bottom part of the league in terms of pass blocking efficiency. Andrew Thomas um, played kind of right tackle, left tackle. His rookie season for the Giants was a disaster. So it, it's it's not that easy. It never is. You know, Tristan Wirfs switched from right tackle to left tackle. He played right tackle exclusively in college and then his first two seasons in the nfl were at right tackle and then the buccaneers switched him or it might be first three seasons anyways the buccaneers moved him to left tackle because they wanted to get luke Gedeke at right tackle and tristan were spoke about this he needed to go see a sports psychologist because he was he had so much anxiety and stress about switching to the other side of the ball so everybody makes this thing out like from a Rashawn Slater standpoint, from a rookie standpoint, oh, like they can just switch sides. It's never that easy. If you're going to do it and do it well, you have to be a truly like elite athlete. Like that's Panesul, that's Tristan Wirfs. Like these, these conversations about, um, you know, JC Latham, like switching to the left side, like, no, <laughs> he's not an elite no. athlete. It's not going to work out well. 
Um, I've seen that conversation for other teams, not specifically for the Chargers, obviously, but you have to be a truly like high end athlete if you're going to make that switch. And even then, it's going to be a struggle. Like people make it out that you can just switch and everything's going to translate one to one. And I think we saw a little bit of that of that with Jamari Sawyer. This is a different conversation, but Jamari Sawyer has played mostly on the left side of his left side of the line for the bulk of his career. He plays right guard for the first time, and there's some up and down play there. So. Switching sides on the offensive line is not like switching between the slot and outside corner or between like edge rusher and into your pass rusher or like, you know, X receiver to Z receiver. It's not even close because you are drilled down every single day to these specific movements and then you switch and it's like everything is different. You know, everybody here listening to the show has a leg that they're like more comfortable with. Like if you have to jump and plant off a leg, like that's your, that's your plant leg. It's the same thing for the offensive line conversation. So um the Slater stuff is a tad ridiculous to me and my expectation is if he's healthy next year he's gonna be a top five offensive tackle in the league because that's who he is that's who he's shown to be and uh, I'm very excited to see what he can do in Jim Harbaugh's scheme I think he's a fantastic fit from a run blocking standpoint as well yeah Tristan Wirth even just looking at the stats I can't say I watched a whole lot of Bucks film this year I really watched the two games there in the playoffs but I mean he went from five sacks allowed in three years to five just this past year it's his worst year by far, which is still really good, still ninety-seven point seven PBE, but it was—it's not the ninety-nine that he's used to. Yes, um, and that was a switch. And Werfs was a very, very good tackle. Um, there was that one season he allowed what, like nine pressures, I and mean, he was just playing <laughs> in a different planet than everybody yeah. else. And even that for him, he switched over and struggled. Not asking Rashawn Slater to do that, as Arjun pointed out, uh, he wouldn't want to do this for his contract as is. Right. And the guy he works with, Duke Manyweather, is so against moving offensive linemen switching sides for for no reason um you know in the middle of a game stuff happens maybe but you know he is not a big proponent of moving these guys and i think some grace needs to be given to the guys that did have to switch like a zion like jamari who were like okay we're gonna play left tackle even though we didn't practice you there okay now you're playing right guard and zion okay well you were a left guard in college let's make you a right guard your rookie year not make a left guard again your, your sophomore year it's very difficult for these guys i'm excited to see all these guys move into the season in i assume their current spots yeah 100 and it's a great point by arjun you know losing money in that regard as well um all right let's let's shift to the trey pipkins conversation because i think obviously it's it's a tad less optimistic um you know if, if you look at like timu risk does a, a great chart every single year where it measures like expectation and and, and how well or below you are performing based off of who you are playing against and Trey Pipkins actually shows up very well in that graphic he had a tough slate of edge rushers and performed above expectation but you look at like the sheer numbers and the numbers are are, are not that great uh Pipkins played in all 17 games this year um he did leave week 18 early but that was pretty much it I don't know if he ever got an update about that um but he allowed 49 total pressures which was tied for sixth most among 57 starting offensive tackles his 95.8 pass blocking efficiency was 42nd out of 57. Um, in 2022, Pipkins only allowed 28 pressures and finished tied for 18th in pass blocking efficiency rating. And that was dealing with, you know, he was dealing with like that MCL sprain that bothered him his entire season. And so in my head, like in the offseason, I was like, okay, Trey Pipkins played at a top 25-ish level while dealing with injury. Like that's a no-brainer re-sign. And then this season, there was just some struggles. And I'm curious to get your take on there now that we've had some time, some time to like think back on the season. 
if Trey is the like unquestioned starter in 2024, how confident are you that they could get that 2022 version back out of Trey? Ooh, I think some of it will depend. Here's the thing. I He'll be better, I think. And there's a couple of reasons for it. I don't expect him to be as bad. I don't think he'll be worse. But I don't expect him to be what he was in 2022. My dog is just moaning and being annoying over here. All right, anyway. <laughs> um, in theory, with a better offensive line protection plan, you should be better. In theory, potentially with just an overall trenches kind of head coach, you should be better. And I think that one of the things that was kind of a bummer for Trey Pipkins when it came to the numbers and these big breakdowns was one, not having Corey Lindsley out there. So they won't have him this year, but they might have a better center. Who knows? And it's also the relationship with Jamari Sawyer. It just didn't click the yeah. same. I felt with like with Zion and Pipkins next to each other, things clicked a bit better. Uh, and, and it really showed, especially in the run game, I think. Yeah. But overall, it just seemed like it clicked better. With Jamari, it never felt quite the same. And I don't know if it's because Zion's just a better athlete, so he can make up a bit more for some of those mental lapses or not reacting as quickly, or just the fact that Jamari had to switch to right guard. I don't know what it was. But I, I feel like, so with more chemistry with Sawyer, assuming he is the starter, with a better offensive line coach, with the right trenches coach, and overall just a better game plan, you know, wherever this rushing attack, whether it's pass protection, whatever, I think he'll be better. Like, there's so many reasons to assume this whole offensive line constructed as is outside of center will just all be better because i think that you know something will walk in someone will walk in and, and change this group in kind of the way frank smith was able to although again core lindsley does help so i think he'll be i think he will be a fine right tackle and that's all they need him to be you can obviously win a championship with two fine to below average tackles the chiefs just did it yeah so i, I think that he'll be fine and i think that's good enough it's not a super expensive contract it's not cheap but it's not a, a oh my gosh what a deal breaker contract i think he'll be fine i think they're banking on him just being at least fine and i think they know whether it's strength and conditioning scheme chemistry the coach whatever he'll be better this year and everyone will be better this year yeah i, I think that's a great point by you and also you know kevin kernick in the chat pointed out the run game was was extremely subpar uh, as arjun's pointed out it was one of the worst and in the last 10 years. Um, and then also Kellen Moore's solution to pressure packages was a lot of empty packages. And so you're putting your guys all on an Island with just your center being able to like help out, you know, and slide protection and things like that. Um, that's not going to be the case in Jim Harbaugh. Like there's, you know, I've been watching a lot of the Michigan offense. I've been watching, uh, I, I do plan to watch the Baltimore Ravens, Washington, Baltimore Ravens offense, excuse me, under Greg Roman. There's a lot of like six man protection, seven man protections, so, like, the offense from a passing game standpoint, from a production plan standpoint, I do kind of expect to get back to, like, what the Chargers were in, like, 2020, where they do have more uh, of a balance in terms of providing help for your tackle. Um, and then, like you mentioned, the relationship with Jamari was definitely not as smooth as I would have hoped. Um, the, re the chemistry between Trey and Zion was was definitely better. And I think their decision to to move the moves on and jamari i totally understand but at the same time like when you have two slow guys next to each other it does make things more difficult in terms of like passing off and communicating stunts and i think that did show up so when you have zion next to trey you have a guy who has that core strength that athleticism that range to recover on a dime 
which Jamari does not have. And so Zion and is able to cover up for more of those issues. But I'm I'm hopeful that if Jamari and Trey are the starting right side, that that becomes, you know, a, a stepping stone for them. Again, smarter protection plans, more emphasis on the run game, I think will help. And just like having that year under their belt, if they do start to get start again next to each other this year, I do expect it to be better. Um, for Trey specifically, I don't know if he'll be at that like that top 25 level, but I, I do expect him to perform better if he is the right tackle. I think it's it, it, it's just, to me, it was a combination of a lot of things piling up on Trey. Um, this year, I expect it to be a little bit more of a positive environment. I expect him to perform better. Um, and that the the slate of edge rushers he's played too was was no was no joke. So I expect him to be better. I think the question obviously is if he is going to be the starter or not, and that's where you can kind of pivot the the draft conversation because there's a lot of people out there media wise who are penciling in right tackle for the Chargers. And I think from a draft strategy standpoint, we just talked about how difficult it is to switch positions at, at number five. You're either, you're either taking Olu Hushana, who has only played left tackle, or Joe Alt, who has only played left tackle in his career. So let's start there, Tyler. In terms of just like mm -hmm. sheer evaluation of Joe Alt and Olu Fushana, you can pick whichever one. Sure. Who would you prefer to take at five? If you're if you knew the Chargers were going offensive line at five, Ooh, who would you? Uh -huh. Which one would you prefer to to pick? And then obviously make the switch to right tackle. Oh man. Okay. So overall I have Olu Fashanu uh over Joe Alt. And I think when we first mentioned this, it might have been even been live. I thought I was like doing something weird by having Fashanu first, but it turns out I think we discussed at the time that you also had him uh, ahead. Because I, I didn't feel like that was the consensus. It felt like Joe Alt, Joe Alt, Joe Alt, Joe Alt was yeah. the guy, and maybe he is. Um, but it just felt different watching Fashanu and with the prep in mind of watching the Ohio State game. Knowing that was his worst game, I expected disaster, and I, I really didn't. I think the reason I would have him overall now switching to right side, if I had to pick, like who's going to do better, I think it's Fashano just because I think the athleticism is better, and I think the tools are just a bit better in terms of how he recovers in pass pro. Um, neither are like, I think, exceptional run blockers. We'll talk about Latham. That is definitely the guy. Um, yeah. And Fuaga, of course, I think those guys uh, do that a bit better. But I think if I'm banking on someone to switch, I think you need to be a better athlete. And I think you have to have a bit more to, you know, dive into should things be a bit of a struggle with with alt. I think he's so good. And, and this is it's not an insult. I think he's so good at doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. He's going to protect basically the same way um, in different situations. But like he's very consistent. But I don't know if he has like this five other things that maybe Fashanu can show yeah that maybe would so it's tough Joe Walt very consistent very good so why wouldn't he be the right tackle like if he's very consistent make him the right tackle but I just think if you're banking on something you got to bank a bit more on traits here and so I think I'd go Fashanu there so you have Fashanu independently graded higher and would prefer him for the Chargers yes yes okay so I'm of the same mindset I think you know, there there's a lot of Joe Alt fans out there, and I think he's a, he's a quality player. But I think the the conversation between the two, specifically for the Chargers, is the athleticism, it's the range, it's the length as well. Um, not to say that Joe Alt is like short by any means; he's six eight. But you look at Olufushano, and he's just a much more natural athlete. Like I think the range, the explosiveness out of his stance, 
would indicate a player who could make the the, the change over at a higher level than Joe Alt could. So I have Olufashanu pretty clearly OT1. I have him graded right now with a 7.4 grade and uh, Joe Alt at a 7.1. So that's a, you know, like a top 10 player versus like a top 20 player um, in, in terms of my specific grade there. Um, I do prefer Olu in a vacuum and specifically for the Chargers. I think that athleticism would translate over there. Yeah. The thing the thing that would kind of hang me up here is that I do think that Joe Alt is like more pro ready right now. Mm-hmm. And so for Olu, you would be taking a guy who might have kind of more struggles with a rookie in general than also switching him sides. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm conflicted for the Chargers in that regard of like which one I would I would prefer because I do think that Joe Alt, like I think what he does well, he's going to do well in the NFL. I think that Olu is a bit more of a work in progress, but he has the athletic traits that I love. He has the length that, that is definitely translate to me. Like he, his grade is, is similar caliber to Paris Johnson last year, but Paris Johnson was another one who switched sides to the right side for the Cardinals and kind of struggled. So yes, that, that scenario is, is a struggle for me. I do think that Joe Alt would have, a better rookie season for the Chargers, but overall, I would still prefer Olu because I think Olu has a higher ceiling. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I And it really just depends on how the Chargers feel about their offensive line situation. Honestly, if I had to pick between the two, and they kept if they had kept the same coaching staff and I had to pick between the two this year, it might be Joe Alt because I really don't know with the guys they had last year at offensive line and coaching the offensive line. And let's say Kellen Moore was still the offensive coordinator. I don't know if, if you could really bank on Fashana reaching, yeah. you know, max being maximized with the Chargers. I don't think he'd be bad, but I don't think it'd be quite the same. I think Alt would be, or actually maybe even Latham would be the safer option there. And I think that's the conversation we'll get into next is, is it, I'm very curious if you had to rank all these guys at right tackle, or if you had Duke Manyweather, all these guys at right tackle, where would they fit? Because Latham makes a very strong case. 
as my OT too. I don't know if he is yours as well, but he is a right tackle at this current present moment. Yeah, JT, JC Latham, you don't have to worry about the the position change. Same with uh, Talise Fuaga, who, who we can get into. Um, I, I know there's some concern about JC Latham. And, and for me, like I think the concern mostly comes in like Ideen stunts and games properly. I think that was a big struggle of his against uh, Michigan in particular. And that's kind of like, like people like to pick the negative games and say, oh, like they can't do this. And then like, okay, but Joe Alt and Olufusiano both really struggled against JT uh, Tiamulau from Ohio State with giving up their chest from a power standpoint. So if you're going to knock JC Latham for struggling against Michigan, why are we not doing the same thing from the other guys and, and their struggles against Ohio State? Um, there's no question in my mind that JC Latham would be a better rookie right tackle than switching the other two to right tackle. Just again, because that that position changes is so much. Um, Latham to me is a lot like Darnell Wright. I think he's like souped up Darnell Wright, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, the power, the play strength, to me, though, it's the best in the class. And so one thing I'm always trying to look for is like, okay, like what's your elite trait? And for JC Latham, it very clearly is his power and his ability to anchor, move people. I think he would be a perfect fit for what Jim Harbaugh wants to do mm-hmm. from a run game standpoint his ability to just cave down the sides of defensive lines as a run blocker is second to none in this class. He's the best run blocker. He's the best play strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weight I think is kind of a concern for people too. He's listed at 360 at Alabama. So I do think that testing wise, like he's going to have to have a good performance at the combine, maybe weigh it like 340 would be great for him. Um, but to me, like right now, I actually have JC Latham graded higher than Joe Alt as well. Yeah, I do as well. Not by much. So I think maybe. Yeah, Alt it's very could, close. Very it's close. very close. And I think Alt, because he's technically a left tackle from Notre Dame or Notre Dame, but in college, I may put him higher if I'm yeah. trying to break some sort of very close tie there. Uh, but yeah, Latham, I think you mentioned everything that he's, he's great at, of course. I think what I'm starting to pay attention to more and more these days because of Rashawn Slater, who is a blue chip player in the NFL is just the the back and core strength yeah. that he has because look sometimes you lose sometimes some a guy gets his hands under your chest and he's gonna bull rush you or whatever and with latham you can just tell that he is able to not just anchor down but bend and kind of torque backwards a little bit or whatever he needs yeah. to to maintain that spot and it just some guys don't have that and i, and I have that concern with someone like a joe alt partially because of the height but also just the way he plays um, so Latham, yeah, I agreed. I was a big Darnell Wright guy last year. Uh, still yeah. Darnell Wright guy, of course. Love the way he played. I think Latham is better, in my opinion. And so I, I would understand the fit. Uh, would make a ton of sense for the Chargers. I don't believe that to be the case at five. Frankly, given him and Fuaga and maybe some other guys will like if I watch Morgan or something, or if we can talk about Mims, um, I, I kind of like the trade back option uh, to take one of these tackles if that's the case i think that's the best of both worlds i think you don't have to take the left tackle early to force him to the right you can trade back and take one of these guys and feel pretty good um i gotta find the note i had about the athletic testing for these guys um the good news is if latham does not test well is that the the ravens go out of their way or did go out of their way to take guys who did not test very well um looking at just their early guys so like kalechi osemele 
Take him in round two, 5.67 RAS. Ronnie Stanley, 6 RAS. Um, Orlando Brown Jr., famous, 0. <laughs> He's like a zero yeah. <laughs> yeah, RAS. Tyree Phillips, free agent this year, 2.24. And then, of course, Daniel Falele, who's an enormous human being, 2.37 RAS. I can't believe Daniel Falele still had almost two points higher than Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> like that's, that's some pretty rough testing. The one thing I will say, which I do think is worth bringing up because we've talked about Fuaga now. Yeah. All the right tackles, or excuse me, all the tackles um, that they took early for the Ravens, those guys that I mentioned, they all have over 35-inch arms. Fuaga's arms at the senior bowl were 33 inches. Now, does that mean you're a bad tackle? No, Rashawn Slater's arms are 33 inches. Yeah. But if the Ravens have a type, and if Ortiz takes that type over, Fuaga maybe might not fit that bill. If, if they kind of have this 35-inch arm length threshold that, say, Staley had for edge rushers. Yeah, so I think Olu would be... I would assume the longest arms of the of the bunch. I don't think we have official numbers there since he didn't participate in the senior bowl or anything like that. Um, but yeah, man, Fuaga, I think to me, like there is some conversation out there about moving him to guard because of uh, of his lack of, of high-end arm length. But to me, he's a tackle all day. I think he is actually like the most nuanced pass protector right now. And like his ability to control edge rushers in a variety of, of ways really stands out. He actually has like a ghost move. So he'll like flash his outside arm and then he'll mm -hmm. like ghost it back and then snatch. It's like the, oh, it is, yeah, uh -huh. mm -hmm. is so like, yeah. it's so advanced. Like that. he is an yeah. extremely advanced pass protector. He's also a really good run blocker. I think there are some athletic concerns, obviously the length concerns as well, but from a sheer technique standpoint, it, it's it's almost like the Liatu Latu conversation where like he's not going to be like that elite athlete. He's not going to be like the uh, you know, the length isn't necessarily going to be there, but like he's so advanced from a technical standpoint mm. that I would not be opposed to drafting him, not at five. Five is is probably a yeah. range, but it, it, it's different stylistically between him and JC Latham because Fuaga ha does yeah. have power, but he is so advanced from a from a hand fighting standpoint and his senior bowl reps as well as his game against Latu was like yes. so much fun to watch like the ability from both of them to use techniques set up moves like Fuaga is like that mental like he he's setting up things like you can tell that he's working through things you can tell that he's trying to feel out uh what these rushers are trying to do to him and then he has answers for everything Mm -hmm. Whereas these other three are kind of just like, I'm just going to stab. I'm just going to double strike. I'm going to absorb your contact. I'm going to anchor. Fuaga has all of the, the arsenal. And I think that is why a lot of people in the in the film community really like him. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can totally scoot. I think if you're looking at Latham versus him, like if you're trying to look for more athletic option there, I think that would be Fuaga. I think he can definitely move better than him. Um what was I going to say? Fudge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Assembly. They drafted him. He, he's a guard, right? You know Assembly yeah. as a guard, but they did play him at right tackle his very first year. Then he was a left guard the entire rest of the way. So it is possible. Granted, the arm length thing is a, a bit different that they go, hey, okay, we're going to take you in the first round. You're going to play tackle. And if it doesn't work, we'll put you at guard. No problem. Like they they had a plan to get Assembly into guard and he played just fine. Like he was much better at guard. So that that's definitely a possibility here too with Fuaga. And I think it could give you some flexibility too with like him and Jamari. Maybe you kind of have them battle out between right guard and right tackle or or some kind of thing. But 
I, I, like I'm on board with Fuaga as a right tackle. I think he has the majority of traits that I'm looking for. It's just I, like I do think there are some range concerns. He doesn't have the power that J.C. Latham does. But I will say that these guys after Olufushanu for me are all graded very, very similar, including Amarius Mims right now, who's much more of a project. <laughs> yes. Um, and we can talk <laughs> about him, but it, it was really interesting. So I watched the 2022 playoff game against Ohio State after seeing Olu and Joe Alt struggle against the Ohio State rushers. And then Amarius Mims was the best guy I saw play against Ohio state. And he was like, you could tell he's still just like a project that he doesn't really have like the high end technique, but in that game, the Ohio state edge rushers who were obviously team Mulo, And then also Zach Harrison, who plays for the Falcons. Now they gave Braxton Jones fits, but Amarius Mims was like, no, no, no. Like I got this on lockdown pretty much the entire game. The physical traits are so intriguing, but this is a guy who has like, two starts against power <laughs> five competition he's yeah. like he started against ball state and like you know mcneese state or whatever and then he has the ohio state game and then the alabama game this year so mims i think in his his potential is worthy of being a top 15 pick but if you're the chargers i don't know if you can really afford to take that kind of project because if you draft mims then pipkins is your starter at right tackle if you draft one of these other guys I think Pipkins is your swing tackle. So Mims, I think it is, should be mentioned in the conversation, but not at five and not as like an immediate starter for the chargers. No, I, this is so different than Trevor Penning. There's a very, very different reasons. Yeah. I don't want to be the team that finds out. Yeah. And I, I, I think Mims when he plays, he's played pretty well. I definitely do not like, he would be outside my top four. I think it would be, um, Olu alt, Latham, uh, Fuaga, and then probably Mims. I haven't watched Guyton or, or Morgan, so I don't really know there. Yeah. With that said, that's just based on the grade. And I, I, I don't know with those starts. I just don't want to be the team that finds yeah. out. It's just there's so much uncertainty. Like there are so many good players in this draft, too. I just don't think Mims, look, when he played, there are moments where he's just like, treating everybody else like children yeah, it's you're so easy them. for him sometimes it's so e no and and that's the thing you're looking for because sometimes he'll just he'll play and it just looks like it's it's just so easy uh he can he can move no problem you know he, he's built ridiculous you know it, all the traits that a really really great offensive line factory team you know if the if the eagles somehow got him he's an all pro in a few years i just don't know if the chargers can take that risk i don't feel comfortable with it Good player. I hope he does well. I think he'll do well. I just don't want to be the team that finds out. Uh, no comment, no <laughs> uh, Welcome. Thanks, Raiden. <laughs> um, yeah, so the 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 Mims conversation, um, he and Olu Fashanu are both training with Duke Manningweather this year. And uh, Dane Brugler was down there uh, for the Shrine Bowl, and he was saying that he was talking with Duke and that Mims is the best athlete that Duke has trained. Like, I think the implication was ever that Mims is just like, geez, that Mims is like <laughs> that okay. kind of athlete. And like, oh, wow. he, he's Dane said that when he was around that group, that Mims, like, nobody looks like Mims, including Olu, who I think is, is a borderline freak athlete. Mm. So if Mims is the best tackle from this group in three years, 
I think that's a possibility. But again, you're taking a massive risk because of the lack of reps there. So like you mentioned, you know, a team who has that offensive line track record, I think can definitely afford to take that chance. I think the Chargers need to have an immediate impact player this year. And I, I just don't know if that's what you're getting in, in taking Mims. Yeah. And I'm, I'm then now curious because we, we, this is not a top 10 offensive tackle show by any means. And usually if it were, we'd have 12 or 13, 14 guys graded. Yeah. I am curious then what the rest of this group looks like into round two, into round three, because it seems like, I mean, you can get a pretty good guy. And like, I haven't watched Guyton. Um, I like Patrick Paul. He's the guy with 36.25 inch arms. Like that is much longer than some of these guys. Seems like it's a really good group. Dane Brugler has one, two, one, think- two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten of them in the first two rounds in terms of rankings. Yeah, I think Dane has seven in his top 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not including the switches for Fautanu. Um, technically, Jordan Morgan, he has as a guard as well. So, mm. I mean, there's just, it's an embarrassment of riches. So I'm, I'm very curious how to play this this game moving forward. Yeah, it, it's... It is an interesting conversation because, like I like, I understand why people are pegging right tackle for the Chargers, um, especially after Jim and Joe both talked about offensive line and everything like that um, in their press conferences so heavily. Um, the debate is obviously going to be, what is the best situation at right tackle? Is that Olu? Is that Joe Alt? Is that trading down? Or is it Trey and maybe you sign like a cheap swing tackle aft behind him? And you address that in the future. So um, where, like, what's your preference, Tyler, in terms of mm-hmm. taking one at five, trading down, or keeping Trey? Ooh, okay. So I, I have to take a tackle in the trade down, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, this is such a... This is such a bite me in the ass question. <laughs> Someone can go. Luckily, like nobody that hates us watches 39 minutes into a video. So I can say this to my to our lovely fans who are still here. Um, not that I don't think another tackle could be a better tackle than Pipkins. It's not that I'm I'm not saying that, but I think my preference would, would be to keep Trey Pipkins, take another position in the first round, and I, I, the Chargers are going to take a tackle. They're going to take one at some point or sign one, probably yeah. take one given the financial constraints. I think you have to work with Pipkins. If we believe that Harbaugh's a good, like everyone says, oh, Harbaugh's great for the trenches. Everyone's elevated. Everyone's going to be better. Much better scream, Greg Roman. That needs to also apply to Trey Pipkins. It feels like we're talking about three or two players here, or maybe running backs, but we're not bringing Pipkins into that conversation. So I think that. We have, if we believe that Harbaugh's the guy and he's got the right staff, I think we have to believe that Pipkins will be better. And I think you go with him. Does that mean I think he'll be better than JC Latham? No, love Latham. He'll probably be better in the long term. But for right now, my option is to stick with Trey Pipkins, hope he gets better with the scheme, the staff, chemistry, you name it, and find somebody else in the first round to help this offense. Um, arguably, you could take Brock Bowers at five. And that does, I think, help someone like a Trey Pipkins as well as the offense, which they talked about. Ortiz talked about, you know, it's not, we have to just help Justin Herbert, who can help the offense overall. Mm-hmm. And I think Bowers is someone who can contribute to that. Yeah, I think for me, the the conflict is like training down and, and adding a guy like JC Latham is so intriguing to me. What, I, what I'm not conflicted about is I do not want to take one at number five. 
I, like I am not I interested in doing the whole position switch thing. I think Olu is a fantastic prospect. I think he's worthy of being taken in a vacuum over num- like at number five. Joe Alt, I could I could get there, but I wouldn't I wouldn't like love it. I, I don't love the idea of taking one of those guys and switching them to the right side because I like I just would trust Trey to be a, a better starter than them as rookies. And I think I like I need that immediate impact for me to move off of Trey. So for me, like the upgrade over Trey is drafting, is trading down and drafting a, a JC Latham or a Talise Fuaga. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that believe the Chargers should take one, an offensive tackle on number five. I just, I, I can't get there with having Rashawn. Like I, the track record of switching to the right side is just not one that is conducive towards taking one of these guys at number five. So that's where I'm at. If offensive tackle is the goal, trade down and take JC Latham. And I, I would be cool with that. I think he's an, he's, he's an upgrade over Trey. He's your long-term guy. Great fit for the scheme. But at five, I just like, I'm not passing on one of these weapons to take an offensive tackle and switching him sides. I just, I just can't get there. Yeah. And, and then again, it's just at five, you'd hope to take someone who just, it's there you go. Yeah. And I, I don't know if we want, like, if there's other question marks about other things, but you have fewer question marks about a player who's ranked about the same or higher, just take that player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. So this is a fun conversation. I'm glad that we did it this way. Hopefully yeah. you guys enjoyed it. Um, any other thoughts here, Tyler, on the offensive tackle conversation? Not necessarily, not until I watch some of the rest of these guys and, and really dive into the rest of it. Uh, I guess a, a clarification question. I have Fatanu at guard. You have him at tackle still. Yeah, I have Fatanu at tackle still. Okay, yeah. Fuaga felt to me like an easy tackle keep, and I think that yeah. seems to be where he's going to be going or how he'll be treated for most teams. But yeah, Fatanu, I just felt like felt like guard. I went with Thorne and those guys on that one. Yeah, Fatanu definitely looks like a guard. <laughs> um, yes, he does. But it's, it's not like... <laughs> Like for me, I, I think like the concern is I, I like I don't understand what the concern is because he has 34 inch arms. Mm-hmm. He has the athleticism. Like, is it a strength thing for people? I don't understand. But like if you just look at him, he looks like a guard. I understand that part. Like totally. he, like he's he's stouter, more physical. I think he's only like six three. Yeah. So he does look like a guard, but I think I would prefer to keep him at tackle and see if he can stay out there and then switch yeah. him if I need to. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, all right, so uh, we'll get to uh, the super chat here from Frank, and then any other super chats that come in, we'll we'll address those. But Frank wants to know what should the what should be the goal with the number of new starters from the draft? From my quote unquote expert mocks, no trade down gets five, but an uh, uh, but an elite player at five trade down, you can get seven or eight starters according to him. What would the ideal outcome be? I guess it depends on what we view starter as. So. We'll see what happens in free agency. You can't leave the draft without a starting corner, arguably two, even if they're not great, and a center, and I think a tight end. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it 1A, 1B with Parham because he takes Sanders and he's kind of the 1B is rookie year or something, fine. So I think you got to get a tight end. Even if it's a tight end, too, I almost consider that a starter because of how often they'll play. I think you got to get a corner for sure, and I think you got to get a center. And then probably receiver i don't know i think three is the minimum three is the minimum and then from there 
you're looking realistically at, you know, contributing rotational players, a, a third, fourth edge rusher, whatever. But in terms of starter, you, you can't leave without a, at least a center and a corner and then probably a tight end. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, cornerback for sure. I, like I'm settling in on cornerback has to be addressed in the first two rounds. I, I, yeah. I've gotten to the point of cornerbacks where I, I am not loving the drop off from like the round two guys to mm. pass that. And it's just it's a position that is is better addressed in the first two rounds of so cornerback. You have to come away with tight end just by sheer like lack of <laughs> options on the roster. You have to come away with yeah. one mm-hmm. center, ideally um, defensive tackle. I would maybe throw in there, too, um, just because. Ooh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just because like, you know, there's a chance that maybe they move on from Morgan Fox. Maybe you're heading into the season with like Otito and a veteran and then maybe a rookie kind of as, as your starting trio so mm-hmm. defensive tackle i think is is in the kind of the same conversation as wide receiver that you mentioned where it's like yeah maybe but not necessary i think yeah some people were not happy with my trade back and take a corner <laughs> idea on twitter like yeah. guys I, I i totally get that like you don't need a great defense and all these great corners and things to win a championship. Although the chiefs certainly benefited, but like the chargers don't have a secondary right now. Like they don't have a secondary as it's currently constructed. They're missing two corners and a safety as it's currently constructed. So until that changes, training back and taking one of these corners seems good to me. And it seems like Arnold has gone from, I don't know where he was to Daniel Jeremiah's like eighth player in this class. I think Dane Brugler, I guess I can, exit out of this but i think he's dane brugler's like 10th player in this class it's pretty close i think he is i think he's ninth or 10th yeah (laughs) yeah 10th for arnold and and 11th for for mitchell so yeah these corners haven't watched either but i I think we got to address that at some point yeah so like i i mentioned dan jeremiah's championship foundation thing and so uh, for those who missed it, the, the the list is quarterback, three offensive playmakers, three quality offensive linemen, two pass rushers, three defensive player playmakers. And so, like I met, I put in the safe ones, obviously Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. I put Keenan Allen slash Mike Williams. I think it'll be Keenan. Put yeah. in Rashawn, Khalil Mack slash Joey Bosa, Tooley, and then Derwin. So depending how you feel about players currently on the roster – you could have another offensive playmaker in Josh Palmer. I think Quentin Johnson probably not being put on this list, unfortunately. Um, Zion, Jamari, Trey, I think you can make an argument for them. But, uh, you know, that's up for grabs too. And then defensive playmaker, you only have Derwin. You need two other defensive playmakers. So, like, I understand, like, I want Malik Neighbors too. <laughs> um, or Brock Bowers. I think that would be a great selection at number five, obviously. But this team has uh, so many needs to get over the hump. And like this, Joe, Joe Ortiz and Jim Harbaugh have made it clear that they expect to win in 2024. And I just, I don't know if taking a wide receiver or a tight end like gets them there as opposed to trading down and then getting multiple pieces. So it's just, it is a legitimate conversation. I, I don't want them to trade down and miss a blue chip player, but this seems pretty far away from like, being picky about that like they need multiple guys and for what it's worth i'm 
I'm like this close from putting Terry and Arnold as a blue chip player and having mm-hmm. him like right there neck and neck with Malik Neighbors and Brock Bowers. Maybe not Bowers, but Neighbors. Wow. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I I just I really gravitate towards that kind of corner. Um, I was messaging with Thomas Martinez about this. I see a lot of Jalen Johnson in Terry and Arnold, and Jalen was obviously my guy. He came out of Utah. So Brugler just said. Yeah, Brugler said that same thing. I, that's what I messaged Thomas Martinez about it. And that just makes a lot of sense for me. It's the kind of corner that I gravitate towards. He's, you know, ball hawker, shit talker, tackler, like physical. Like he brings everything to the table that I like in a corner. The only thing is like I need to see the testing numbers if I'm like really going to slap a blue chip grade on him. But I'm pretty close to getting there with him where I'm mm. close enough to the point where I think I would be okay with him them taking him at five. Close, not there yet. Ooh, but okay. I'm close. Um, let's push it further then. So you have him where compared to Christian Gonzalez and uh, I guess Witherspoon was your number two. Uh, right now I have him in the, at the same exact grade as Christian Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah. All right. I should right watch now this the player then. <laughs> right, right now the only cornerback grade that I've given higher than Arnold and Gonzalez is Derek Stingley. Um, mm. Those two would be second and third right now. Okay. All right. Fun stuff. I, it's funny because they were not my priorities as the other Alabama corner and yeah. the guy from Toledo in the second round. Yeah. And now it's like if you trade back, you got to take them in the top 15 because that's how good they are. Fascinating yeah. process. Yeah. The cornerback class, though, is awesome. Like Arnold, I really like. Nate Wiggins is an athletic freak, a little little skinny, but athletic freak in terms of speed. Yeah, he is. Uh, Cooper DeGene could be a great slot corner option for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to take that guy in the first round. Um, Kool Aid McKinstry has kind of fallen off the board, but like I, I still think he's a first round grade caliber corner. Totally. So this cornerback class is kind of similar to the offensive tackle class where there's a lot of dudes that are going to carry like high end top 30 grades for me. Yeah. McKinstry. I mean, he could be your corner five in this class and like shoot dude you're <laughs> him in the late twenties. Like that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I don't remember this much of much, this much movement and flip of players at a particular like position group before, because usually you kind of get the idea yeah. by the time college football is, is ending. And yet McKinstry, I even think had a pretty good game, his final game. Mm-hmm. And then just a whole different move from these guys. It's a fascinating yeah. process. I think for me, like the concern with McKinstry was like the consistency. Like I watched his mm-hmm. tape against LSU and I was like, I like this guy a lot. But mm-hmm. then I watched them play um, Texas A&M, I want to say. And I didn't love just like you could tell that like he got up for the higher end guys and like showed out against LSU, showed out against um you know those playoff teams in in alabama and all or not alabama georgia and all that but uh yeah like there's there's some high-end traits there i know like uh deontay lee is one of the only guys out there that has like maintained that kool-aid is cornerback one from the jump but there's been a lot of movement and now quinion mitchell i think dane had quinion like right behind arnold at cb2 i think he was like 11th overall in the class so yep um Quinion has apparently like is going to run in like the four threes and can also squat like 700 pounds. So <laughs> he was on Feldman's freak list um, yep. at Toledo. So it's a great cornerback class. It really is. And a lot of people love Cooper Jean. We had Trevor Sikama on the Chargers channel this week. He has DeGene at CB1 and has him as, as a blue chip player too. So it's a, it's a great corner class. It's a great offensive tackle class. It's a great wide right receiver class. 
gives the Chargers a lot of flexibility. A lot of flexibility. I uh, can't get to Cooper DeGene at one, I'll tell you that. No, me neither. I love his projection in the slot, not as much on the outside. So it just kind of becomes a positional value thing at that point of the film in the slot is really good, but how much are you willing to take that in like the top 15 or whatever? Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. That was a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure like subscribe, all that good stuff uh, continues to help grow the show. Uh, we'll be back on a normal schedule next week. Uh, this week was a little wonky with Valentine's day and I was uh, taking my students to Cal Poly on Tuesday. So a little wonky. I appreciate the flexibility next week. We'll be back on our usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday show. Uh, and then Alex Katzen is going to be back doing some draft content for us as well. So make sure and check his content out, Alex Insdorf's content out, and then uh, stay tuned for all of our live shows. Appreciate all you guys for tuning in. That's going to do it for us today. As always, bolt up.